the gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of healing, the gift of working of miracles, the gift of tongues, and others listed in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. Are they available today for the believer, or were they just for the early church? Find out right here, right now, on Speak Salt. You're listening to Speak Salt, equipping you to dialogue on today's overlooked topics in and out of the church. Okay, today on Speak Salt, we're going we're going a little more spiritual today. We're talking about spiritual gifts as defined in the Bible. This is I'm excited about this one. I've got a guest with us today who is a little bit of a stranger around these parts and in my life. I actually have my dad here, Pastor Joe Senior, Arminio Senior, right here from where we broadcast from. Abundant Life Whippany, thank you for coming back on. You might remember him from episode one, Uncommon Addictions, and he's back today. He, he's he's one of the, the the people in life that I, I know the most that would would qualify would be qualified to talk about this gifting and or this topic rather, spiritual gifting. So thank you for coming on, uh, Dad. I appreciate it. My honor. Glad to be here. Yes, the honor is all yours. Well, it's mine too. <laughs> so uh, let's let's jump right in. This is uh, this is a what a what a topic. Uh, to talk about it's 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 discussed widely throughout the church today, throughout the thirty plus thousand denominations. Wrap your head around that one, listeners, that we have in the church today. And uh, every every one, it seems like every every one of them has a little bit of a different definition on what spiritual giftings really are, and if they're. For today, more specifically, I think that's the question we want to answer today. Are spiritual giftings defined as as defined by the Bible, are they for today? Or were they just for the early church? That's probably, of, of all the different tentacles and, and branches to the conversation of spiritual giftings, that probably is the one that it boils down to most. Are they for the 21st century church, or were they, for, or were they just for that first century church? Sure. Well, I, I think the first thing you want to say is that all, all the gifts from God, we, we talk about spiritual gifts in the Bible as defined in 1 Corinthians 12. We talk about motivational gifts in the Bible as we see in Romans uh, chapter number 12 also. Um, but we have to say right from the outset, I think, that that God has many gifts, even though we categorize them, spiritual gifts, motivational gifts, etc. I mean, breath, life is a gift. Grace is a gift. The loving kindness of God is a gift. Your family is a gift. Your job is a gift. So there's many gifts that God gives us on a daily basis. The Bible says, the psalmist says, he daily loads us with benefits, gifts, if you will. Are they for today? The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I like to say it like this. When it comes to the book of Acts, the heading in my Bible says the Acts of the Apostles. And some of the arguments today is, well, the gifts are over, uh, the miracle gifts and any other gifts of the Spirit are done because the apostles have died. Right. But if you think that man possesses the gift and does the work, then when the man dies, the gift dies. But it's not possessed by men. This is gifts from God that he uses men to operate in these gifts, but their gifts are from God. Right. And so I like to look at the book of Acts, not the Acts of the Apostles, 
but the but the acts of the Holy Spirit. And thank God the Holy Spirit is not dead. He's very much alive. And there's no amen in the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. At the end of that chapter, there's no amen signifying that we're still living in the, in the book of Acts, the New Testament church, still being used by the Spirit of God, thank God, and exercising these wonderful gifts that God has given to the church to manifest to the world, to show forth a living Christ, a powerful Jesus, and a God who is love. Amen. Well, that's good stuff. And you're already in sixth gear, but let's let's backtrack for a second because if if a, if the listener wants to know if it's available today, they have to know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So let's go back first before we address if they're for today, because the listener needs to know what it is that we're talking about. And and Paul talks about gifts different times in the New Testament, and and I think uh, and we'll get your perspective on this. You know, they're, they're different categories, I believe, different types of giftings. In 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the gifts that are dispersed by the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, uh, the gift of the working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues, as uh, where in Romans 12, uh, he talks about seven, the gift of prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, uh, leadership and mercy, and then uh, Paul uh, addresses in Ephesians uh, chapter four uh, what we would commonly refer to as the the fivefold ministry giftings: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So yes. they're not all in the same bowl, correct? Correct, correct. Give a little a brief synopsis of the difference of these three, because these are the three t- main types of gifts that he he talks about. G- give a little synopsis of the, you know the difference between them. So when you look at the spiritual gifts, and they're called spiritual gifts in the book of First Corinthians twelve, there's nine gifts that Paul mentions there, and of those nine gifts, probably can be put into three categories. Three gifts in each category. Number one, the gifts of divine utterance, which would include the gift of tongues, which is different than the initial evidence sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you speak in tongues. We'll get back to that. The the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. Then you have the gifts of divine revelation, the revelation gifts, and that would be the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift not the gift of discernment. The no, no, no. The gift of discerning of spirits. Right. And, and we could talk about that. Then the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of wisdom. And then you have the category, the three gifts of divine power, right. which would be the gift of healings, the gift of the working of miracles, and the gift of faith. Those nine gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 operate in the church different administratively but operate in the church to glorify Jesus Christ and to edify and bless people. Right. Well, in verse number seven, before Paul lists them, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, like you're saying, to benefit, to to edify the church, to benefit the church. And it's interesting to note too, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to all, not was given. So I right. think that, it, it, like you're saying, it's definitely, it's, it's, they're available today. Not only, not only that verse, but of course, Jesus operated. The Bible says that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. He operated except, every for, gifting. except for the gift of tongues and interpretation because that wasn't needed at that time because he, right. was, he, was, he was there physically. Right. He operated in every single gift, in mm. every gift. And so 
the church now, Jesus said to his friends when he was here on earth, it's expedient or necessary that I go. If I do not go, I cannot send you the Holy Spirit. But if I go to the right hand of the Father, we, my Father and I, we will send you the Holy Spirit. And that opens up the door. This baptism in the Holy Spirit opens up the door to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, a lot of people get the the first two that are listed in in First uh, Corinthians twelve confused, or they don't know the difference. What's the difference between the word of a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge? Well, the gift of the word of wisdom, and, and that's what it is. It's the the, the word W O R D simply means a fragment or a part of. God does not give us all of his wisdom. He does not give us all of his knowledge. When you're talking about the gift of the word of knowledge, God gives a fragment, a part of his knowledge. He downloads it into your spirit for somebody else. And the gift of the word of knowledge speaks of what is going on in someone's life presently or in the past where the gift of the word of wisdom, again, God downloading a fragment or a portion of his divine wisdom into somebody's spirit to exercise for somebody else, giving them a word of wisdom, and that would speak of something in their future. We have to understand that there is a major difference when you talk about, for example, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy, when prophecy was evident in the Old Testament, it was foretelling or forthtelling. When a prophet gave a word uh, for somebody, a word of prophecy, it was speaking on behalf of God. The Holy Spirit was not uh, in the same dimension that we have today in the New Testament. Remember, the Holy Spirit was only on people back then. Now the Holy Spirit is within the right. body or the church or believers. So when 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 a word of prophecy came in the Old Testament, it usually directed people's lives, guided people's lives, and spoke of future events prophetically. In the New Testament, the gift of prophecy brings a complete different um, understanding, okay? It's not to guide the believer. You don't direct people. I don't say, thus saith the Lord, you're going to marry so-and-so. Thus saith the Lord, you know, uh, this or that. No, no, because you have, the, as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God speaks to you. Right. But prophecy, according to Paul, in the New Testament, should do three things in when it's done in, in the right operation, and that is edify, exhort, and comfort, found in 1 Corinthians 14, Verse number three. So the gift of the word of wisdom speaks of a word that God gives to somebody for their future. Mm -hmm. The gift of the word of knowledge, God speaking to and through someone for someone else, speaking of someone's past or their present, i.e., when Jesus spoke to the woman at Samaria, John chapter four, when he was dialoguing with her. You the know, woman at the well. The woman at the well. He said to her, uh, it's true that you don't have a husband. You have had five husbands. That was the gift of the word of, word knowledge, of knowledge in operation. Okay. Talking about her present and even her past, if you right. will. And he's, and obviously the man that you're with right now is not your husband. So, so Jesus is talking about the past and the present, the word of knowledge being in operation at that point. All right, so that's the difference between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. But I, I don't want to get away from our 
first question was, what are the difference of these three categories of the three types of gifts, the spiritual giftings in 1 Corinthians, the motivational gifts in Romans, and then the fivefold gifts in Ephesians? So we'll circle back to that. But I've experienced uh, being able to flow in a word of wisdom, word of knowledge many times. You probably too many times to count, as well as many other pastors. Uh, but what, what's something that stands, have you ever, were you ever in a situation that, that, that you flowed in one of those gifts, maybe a word of knowledge that stands out to you as maybe um, unusual or uncommon? Yeah, well, I can remember one time that the Lord used me. That, you know, it was a time where I said, what in the world did I just say? Right. I wanted to crawl into a hole. Uh, I was flowing in the, in, in, in the spirit at, at, at this point in time. It was in, in a service. And I said, there's a, a, a young lady here by the name of Marla. Marla is not a very popular name. Right. I said, God is telling me that a large amount of money is going to come into your hands this week. When I said it, I said, what in the world did I just say? Right. And I just said it. Because, just, because well, let's pause there for a second. Because the, the um, accusation would be too strong of a word, but kind of the skepticism of people that are, are, don't believe spiritual giftings for today towards uh, a charismatic type of church would be, uh, in, in moments like that, they kind of just throw a broad yeah. statement out there and go fishing for a response. Yeah. You know, God's healing a cold today, you yeah. know, something like that. Right. But this is not something that, first of all, you, you're going out yeah. on a limb by oh, telling yeah. somebody they're going to come into a large amount of money. And number two, the, I've never even heard of the name before. I The only Marla I know in my life is Marla Thomas, Marlo Thomas. Yeah. And she's the she's the daughter of, of Danny Thomas, who was an entertainer of Which I'm sure nobody, years ago. nobody has heard, ever heard of on listening to this podcast. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah. I don't know any Marlas in our church. I, okay. I just didn't know it. Unbeknownst to me, there was a, a young lady in the church that day, whether she was visiting or new in the church, named Marla. And that week, she received, I think it was either $50,000 or $100,000 that week that came into wow. her so, and, and paid for her college, her, her college for the entire, right. entire time. Word of wisdom. Yeah. Right? It, That's what that— Gift of that, the word of wisdom. That, gift, that was the gift in operation because in that it, moment. it happened in the future, the near future, but it happened in the future. How about— She called up the church, and she was ecstatic. She sure. said, that was me. My name is Marlon. This We're is what Unbelievable. I, and I, you know, when you— Sometimes you flow like that and you just give it by faith and then you hear the results and you say, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you have to be willing to take a risk, you know, because humanly you, you feel like, oh, this could be embarrassing if I, yeah. you know, if I miss God or well, whatever. Well, there are, there are extremes in the body of Christ, in charismatic circles, if you will. But just because they're extremes, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Because there's, there's, there's such a, a, a beauty in, in these gifts, such a comfort, such a blessing in these gifts that you don't want to just, I'll stay away from that because I don't understand it. And right, I've seen right. extremes, I'll just throw it out. No, let's, let's throw out the, the, the excess, the extreme, and let's embrace the real. And isn't that why it's so important for for people, uh, Christians, believers, not just pastors and leaders, but Christians in general? Because again, uh, Paul says it's available for for anyone that the Holy Spirit disperses it to. Right? There's yes. no you don't have to be a pastor to flow in a spiritual gifting. You don't have to be a a deacon or a priest or anything like that. You can you just have to be a Christian. You have to be saved, baptized yeah. in the Holy Spirit. That's right. And isn't that why it's important for us to treat spiritual giftings? Uh, not like a, not like a, uh, you know, supernatural, mystical piece of entertainment, but treat it holy and treat it, treat it uh, with respect. Because can you almost, can you almost blame a, a lot of 
people that are skeptical of this stuff because there's there's been some like you said some extremes in in mm-hmm. the charismatic movements you know some some crazy stuff that you know we've we've uh, you know seen today whether that be on TV or in person and it sows seeds of skepticism in people mm-hmm. so so you know what what can we do to what can we do to convince the skeptics that this this is not just wacky stuff happening this is you know this is legitimately the holy spirit at work today i think the emphasis has to be you know fo- pe- people grabbing snakes sure, and sure, you know sure. drinking poison yeah. and crazy things i think the focus has to be on the giver and not the gift when you are enthralled with the giver jesus christ of his gifts that he has given to the church you will not be caught up in developing your own um, portfolio, if you will, around the gift that God has given you. Mm -hmm. We're not called to merchandise the gospel. We're not called to market these gifts. We're not called to uh, um, elevate our gift and, you know, so we can write our books and, 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 and have some more spiritual gigs in churches. Right. These are precious, sacred gifts that Jesus given to the body of Christ severally, the Bible says, but all these work that the one and the very same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. As God wills, right. he gives certain gifts to certain people, not so they can build their own little kingdom, mm-hmm. but to build up people and consequently building up the kingdom of God, giving glory to Jesus Christ right. and blessing and edification to the, to, the, to the people that you're ministering to. And so when you see people, and I stay away from these kind of people, that develop and build a ministry around, quote, a gift. No, you need to build your ministry around the giver yeah. of the gifts. You need to, Jesus Christ is the foundation that 1 Corinthians 3 talks about, not the gifts of the Spirit. Well, that's really true for today. I was talking to a pastor, a young adult pastor, a couple of days back, and uh, he was looking to—he's looking to raise somebody up to be a youth pastor in his ministry. And I asked him, you know, do you have any prospects? And he said, Well, I have, have, uh, you know, I have one, but but he's really more interested in building his brand than mm-hmm. building the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that's something today that we see in ministry through you know, the launch of uh, social media and the internet and mm-hmm. YouTube and all that. And not to not to be judgmental, sound judgmental, because only God knows the heart. But you see that in a lot of ministers, especially the ones that are, that clearly flow in a gifting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's building a brand. Just like we've kind of, we've kind of merchandised and, and made, made certain parts of the ministry like a business. Yeah. And we're looking for followers and we're looking for people to see the gifting and, and, and follow it, and 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 you know, buy in and support our ministries. But but shouldn't the gifts be to serve, not yeah. to build a brand? Absolutely, to serve, but also to glorify, right, right, lift up and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. I mm-hmm. remember once I was casting the de- a devil out of somebody, and the gifts of the Spirit were in operation. And by the grace of God, and the Bible says, in my name, Mark sixteen verse eighteen and onward, in my name they can cast out devils. And right. so I flowed in that that particular day and cast out a devil out of this individual. And he was a very successful businessman and got set free. Not Joe, but Jesus set him free. I'll never forget this. He went into his pocket and he had a wad of $100 bills and started peeling them off. Mm-hmm. And he was going to give me a, a number of them because he felt free for the first time in his life. Right. I immediately stopped him, said, put that back in your pocket. This is a gift from God and the gifts of God are free. Right. 
You don't capitalize on those things. You get in big trouble when you capitalize or or try to try to um, um, make gain over mm-hmm. things like that. The Bible's full of stories, full of stories. Absolutely. When 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 in in in, in the Bible, when when um, Simon the sorcerer mm-hmm. saw that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered Peter money. Right. And I'm going to paraphrase here, okay? But this is really the the the, the heart of the language. Peter said. You and your money go to hell. Right, right. Basically, that's what he said. You right. know, you're going to perish. You're going to go to hell and perish mm-hmm. if that's what you think of the gift of God. Okay, so we we addressed a couple of these gifts so far: the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. You just talked about uh, working and flowing in the gift. And and I guess when you you know cast the devil out of somebody, you'd have to be flowing in the gift of the discerning of spirits, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what what's with this gift of faith? Because that's that's always one that was the most interesting to me because faith is so, it sounds so broad, you yeah. know, like all mm-hmm. of us should have faith. The mm-hmm. Bible talks about faith, probably one of the top five most common themes in the New mm-hmm. Testament. Mm-hmm. So why is faith a gifting? Okay, well, the Bible says in the book of Romans that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So upon accepting Christ, you receive what we would call seed faith. And it's up to that individual to grow or develop that faith by the by the watering of the word of God, if you will. And there's many different levels of faith found in the Bible. There's no faith for, for non-believers. The Bible says not all men have faith. The book of 1 Thessalonians says that. So there's no faith. There's faith. There's little faith, small faith, uh, increasing faith, great right. faith, holy faith, pure faith, and the faith of God. The gift of faith, unlike what we're talking about not now, is a time when God, if you will, downloads a supernatural ability to believe him for the moment. Mm. For example, a Moses before the Red Sea. You don't see seas opening up every day. Joshua, the sun standing still. You don't see that phenomenon every day. Right. Or someone causing life into a a a a, a lifeless dead body. That would require the gift of faith and operation. Mm. It's the God faith, the God kind of faith that envelops you, if you will, rises up within you to manifest the power of God. Right. And usually, usually, for example, when you talk about raising the dead, raising the dead, all three power gifts are probably in operation. Mm-hmm. It's the gift of faith to believe that God can raise someone right, back. Right, that he the, can even do it. Yeah, that he can even do it. It's the working of miracles, okay, because it's a miracle. What is a miracle? A miracle is a manifestation of God that goes against the the, the ordinary course of nature. Right. Okay, when someone's dead, they don't come back to life, you know? Yep. And it's the gift of healing so the person can stay healed and stay alive. Right, right. So when you talk about raising the dead, all three power gifts are in operation. But the gift of faith is a supernatural, a supernatural ability to believe God for the absolute miraculous beyond the, what we would call normal faith. Sure. Now, a lot of people would, would, would look, you know, a lot of believers, Christian leaders, theologians, whatever, would look at the list, the nine gifts in, in 1 Corinthians, and, and some would say that's not for today at all, but, but some also pick and choose. Uh, for example, uh, some people think the age of miracles is over. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's got to be a reason why miracles are so prevalent in the Bible through the Old and the New Testament, but we see a, a drop-off, especially in the Western world, 
Uh, is it just that, is it, is it as simple as uh, the working of miracles that's not available today? Or is there something deeper to that? Is there, is there theological reasons why we don't see miracles like they were written about in the Bible? It's very simple, Pastor Joe Jr. When you preach a subject in the Bible, you get the results. If you preach on stewardship, people are more stewardship conscious and and obey and right. express that. When you preach on holiness, people are challenged and they're they're challenged to live more holy. When you preach on miracles, you see manifestations of miracles. It goes back to what we were saying before. If you believe theologically that the dispensation of the miraculous is over and end it with the apostles and the first century church, you will obviously not preach it. Consequently, you will not see. Right. And so we have a whole sect of Christianity. You mentioned 30,000 denominations. God forgive us. But we have a whole sect of Christendom that do not preach miracles because theologically they don't believe it because they can't understand it. Miracles will never will has never intended to get people converted, if you will, right. but it gets people's attention mm-hmm. to point them to Jesus Christ. It happened in the Bible. It happens today. You give a word of a, a word of knowledge to someone in the supermarket, and you watch how they become right, Christ right. conscious. Right. You give you operate in the gift of faith or the working of miracles. You watch how people's eyes are turned to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's it's what God uses to get people, you know, in in many cases, turn to Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't take the place of preaching the unadulterated gospel. We need to preach the gospel. But flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, whether they're spiritual gifts, motivational gifts, are part of the gospel. Right. It's part of the gospel. Just like, you know, there's 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 main parts of our lives and then there's there's areas of our lives that are a part of, of supporting the main areas. That's That's part of the gospel. Right. Now, we, we, we know that the Holy Spirit disperses these gifts, as mm-hmm. it says in verse number 7. In, yeah. uh, but over in, at the end of the text, I think it's the last verse, actually, in 1 Corinthians 12. Right. Paul says, earnestly desire the best yeah. or greater gifts. Yeah. Now, if the Holy Spirit disperses, we shouldn't, we shouldn't obviously, as believers, uh, be requesting uh, specific gifts. Uh, correct in saying that? Well, we should trust him. We should trust him to disperse as he wills. He says, covet the, the best gift. He also says, if you're going to covet any gift, covet to prophesy, because prophecy right, right. edifies, builds up people's lives. What is prophecy? In simple definition, it's speaking inspired utterance. Mm-hmm. It's not guiding your life. It's not telling you who to marry, what house to buy. Right. It's, it's, it's inspired utterance, divine inspired utterance from the Holy Spirit that he gives you for yourself or for someone else. Right. The Bible, Paul says, covet that gift. That's a wonderful gift to covet. But then he, then he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way right. at the end of the chapter. And then we go into that wonderful chapter 13 that is called the love chapter. Mm-hmm. Because if your motivation is not love and compassion, the agape of God, then these gifts are probably being used or misused by the individuals. So should, should the believer go into their office or their bedroom and pray for the gift of the working of miracles, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think you have to know what spiritual lane God puts you in. Right. Okay. And what's your motivation for, for wanting well, to do? Well, obviously that, that's, that's without 
being said. Mm-hmm. If your motivation is not love and your desire to help and encourage people, then you are, are on the wrong motive, you know, road. Sure. So I'm just taking that for granted that your motive is right. But you have to know your spiritual lane. For example, for example, let's go back to Romans 12 and the motivational gifts. One of the motivational gifts is the gift of giving. Right. Most people don't know that. These are individuals that are not gifted in in teaching, right. not gifted in preaching, not gifted in 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 a serving, but their their gift, believe it or not, is giving finances right. to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. They recognize number 1 that Jesus is the giver of the gift. Number two, they recognize that they've been prosperous because of God, and they recognize it's more blessed to give than to receive. And they are people that God, men and women that God raises up within the body of Christ and within specific local churches to give and finance the vision of that house. Mm. People's gift in that area is to give. Just to give. Don't ask them to teach. Don't ask them to preach. Don't ask them to come on workday on a Saturday morning to clean right. the kitchen. Their gift is giving. Right, right. Wow, we all need that. Absolutely. I want some people that have that gift in my life. <laughs> no, I think it's great. Now, I think it's interesting that the—and this was kind of what we opened up with, and we never really got back around to it. Maybe we'll have a part two in the next couple of weeks. But the, the, the two categories in 1 Corinthians and 12 and then Romans 12 are totally different— but prophecy is listed twice, yeah. right? Prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and then this other motivational gift of prophecy. Are they two separate types of prophecy, or, or, or are they the same thing that Paul's just repeating? Yeah, basically, it's 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 they're very they're very alike because I think he opens up with that at verse number six. Having then these gifts differing according to the grace, the grace that is given unto you, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, isn't that interesting how they all work together? Because you have to have the gift of faith to be in operation to prophesy. Yeah, right. and, and it also touches on preaching. Prophecy is a form of preaching, or let me say preaching is a form of prophesying. Because right. again, remember, prophesying is inspired utterance. We should all be preaching, okay, with divine inspired utterance. We shouldn't be preaching our own agendas, our own ideas, our mm-hmm. own ideals, our own, our right, own opinions. Right, right. We should be preaching the inspired, holy, infallible, undisputable word of God. Right, That's yeah. all, The Bible says in Timothy, all scripture is inspired right, by right. God. So when you are preaching, it's a form of prophesying, although there is literally a gift called prophecy, which again, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, is to edify, exhort, and comfort the hearer, mm. okay? So prophecy is not, thus saith the Lord, you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and if you don't repent, you're going to hell. That's not prophecy. That's called judging. Right, right. <laughs> okay? Because people today try to have an Old Testament anointing in a New Testament setting and say, no, I'm just prophesying to the church. I want to just, and they browbeat and beat them up, berate sure. them and upbraid them. And and they're and they're saying I'm prophesying. Right. I'm prophesying, but they're not prophesying because New Testament prophesy, prophecy doesn't beat people up. It edifies, exhorts, and comforts. It edifies, which means builds up. It exhorts, means which means to draw someone closer to the heart of God, and comfort, which means to ease the pain. Man, that's I forget the exact chapter and verse. You may not top your head where Paul encourages all the believers to prophesy. Yeah. But uh, think about what what you're saying. The exact opposite of that is judging others. And it seems like 
most most people today, that's what they can't wait to sink their teeth into, judging, you know, jumping on someone's case. John Gray today, or I don't know if it was today or the other day, you know, he's a he's a he's a very well-known pastor. And uh, I guess he bought his wife an expensive car for their anniversary. And man, the the Twitter universe just lit up like a Christmas tree. Just, you know, hundreds of thousands of people looking to, you know, um, rake him across the coals, uh, over the coals, you know, for, for doing this. And we don't know if the guy saved up his whole life to buy this gift, you know. So mm-hmm. my point is we we just can't wait to, to judge people, <laughs> to jump on people. But Paul says the exact opposite you should be doing. And how yeah. can we ever get to a place as believers where we're flowing in the prophetic if we're still locked into jealousy and envy and judging others and and getting upset when somebody else succeeds and prospers, you know, it's 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 it's, it's it'll never it'll never be able to happen if we don't uh, shift uh, shift gears a little bit and right the ship. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be say, said about a correction in the body of Christ. The Bible talks about correction, but we're not talking about correction right now. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Let's not let's not hide behind quote the gifts of the Spirit. Really, what we want to do is berate somebody. Yeah, we right, wanna, right. We want to just like you know just blast somebody, sure. you know, and, and, and in the name of, oh, these, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right. I, I think there's a major difference of c- correcting in, in the Spirit and judging or berating somebody. Well, this, is, this raises a good, uh, a, a good, a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you jump over to Ephesians, mm-hmm. Paul talks about f- uh, f- what we would call fivefold giftings, yes. ministry giftings, yes. pastors, prophets, evangelists, uh, teachers, uh, apostles, uh, who decides who has who who decides who has these gifts? You know, we we see, for example, today we see a lot of pastors. We don't see a whole lot of uh, prophets. You know, who who decides if if I have the gifting of teaching? If I have the gifting of uh, to be to be an apostle? Pract- you can answer that practically and also spiritually. Um, h- how does somebody know if they're uh, called to a fivefold ministry gifting or any of these giftings for that matter? Do you just Get a warm and fuzzy feeling that I have the that I have a gift of healing, so I'm going to start flowing in that. I have the gifting of being a prophet, so I'm going to just start putting prophet in front of my in front of my name. How do how do you know where where to flow into and, and what to stay away from? There is a practical answer, but also a very scriptural, spiritual answer to that, and you need to you need to marry the two. Let me say this: in, you're referring to Ephesians four verses ten, eleven, and so forth. Right. But prior to that, prior to that. Paul is talking about the descending of the Lord Jesus Christ. After he was crucified, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. Okay, and we won't get to all that, but there's a theology in that. But in verse number seven, it says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now watch this. This is prior to the introduction of what we call the fivefold ministry. Apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Verse number eight. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Okay, so when he, the Bible says, when he ascended up on high, as he's going back to the Father, he left the church gifts. And so the the gifts of the office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teachers, there's certain giftings that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 that should accompany certain office gifts. Right. For example, Paul said himself, I stand in the office of an apostle 
and miracles follow my ministry. So we know right there, if you're standing, and here's where some people jump ship here because they say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're talking about apostles today? Listen, we're not talking about an original original apostle right, of, the, right. of the 12. We're not talking about that. But yes, there are apostles today because go back to 1 Corinthians 12, and Paul says, are all apostles today? And the answer to that is no, but there are some. There are some, and there's certain giftings that follow that office. So don't, don't again, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, we're not talking about you being an original apostle. Those 12 are, are, are done. They're over. They're in heaven. They're, the foundation stones in, in Revelation talk about the apostles. We, we, got, we understand that. But we're talking about the office of an apostle. The word apostle simply means sent one. Right. So would, would, a, would a modern day missionary be in the office of that? I would, I would, I would, I would say yes to that. Yes. I wouldn't say. No, I'm not saying a blanket statement. Every missionary on earth, but but you know, select missionaries of high level I, ministry. I would say missionaries very much could be an apostolic work. Yeah, because mm. they're sent somewhere for a specific purpose right. by the Lord. Right, right. And and to really to to really evangelize, for example, a third world country. You need to have power gifts. The power gifts in operation. When I went as apostolically, when I went years ago to Africa, I was sent apostolically to Africa, and I saw blind eyes open. The working of miracles flowed in there to to get people to come to Christ. Sure. You see how that flows and how that and works. You're talking about someone born blind, not somebody who had a bad eyesight. And no, you know, I pray. Through their glass, crushed their glasses or something. I like that. prayed over a nine-year-old boy born blind. And I watched, this is not secondhand, I saw it myself, God give him back his sight in front of my eyes. Right. And it was powerful. It, it, the, 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 the miracle exploded in the congregation, and people came to Christ because of that. Right. That's, you know, I didn't build my kingdom on that. Sure. I didn't but write a new book and make some money on that. I was humbled. I fell on my face, and I couldn't believe that God would use me to pray for somebody. I didn't, mm-hmm. do, I didn't open up his eyes. God did. Mm-hmm. But I was, he, I was a part of it, and I thank right. God forever for that, you know? Right. So— Apostolically, the gift of the apostle, okay, the gift of the prophet, just putting Apostle Joe on your business card doesn't make you an apostle. Right, right. You should have some power gifts flowing in your ministry, validating and va- your right, apostleship. Right, right, Val- right. Not just you saying. I've, validating right. your apostleship. That's great. That's good. That's really good. Okay. And, and so in, in, in every other office, you could say you're an evangelist, but you know, you, you stay home seven nights a week. Well, who are you evangelizing? Yeah, right, right, what, right. What, what ministry gifts are following your ministry? Pastoral. I'm a, here's a good one. I'm a pastor. I'm in the office of a pastor. I know pastors that don't want to visit people in the hospital, <laughs> don't want to counsel, sure. don't want to teach. All they want to do is study the Bible. Right, right. Well, what makes you a pastor? No, you, you're you a pastor because you need a home base. Uh-oh, yeah, right. we're getting, getting little, little— And it's ironic. Usually the pastors that that uh, that that are, are flowing in the most giftings are the humblest and don't— uh, need the wor- need and crave the title pastor in front of their name, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, was- I I can't be a pastor because I'm looking. I'm really an evangelist, but I need a home base. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, to get a, st- a steady salary. And I'm being strong now, but you know, I've been doing this thing for four, over forty years, yeah. and I've seen a lot. Um, don't let God call you. Let God define you as a pastor. Stay in your lane. Listen, listen. A pastor is a shepherd, and shepherds love to feed, lead, and protect sheep. That's what shepherds do. It's in their heart. They smell like sheep because they're around sheep. Right. That's a pastor. Okay, we gotta we we, we gotta close soon, but we gotta end on this one because this is probably 
the thing going, let's bring it full circle back to the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. This is the biggest point of skepticism for people in the church today, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, okay? Of, of, all, the, of all the things that happen in the charismatic movements and the charismatic churches, I think this is probably the thing that wigs people out the most, you know? Um, you know, people falling down and stuff like that. Like, I, I guess, you know, people can get over. But when they start speaking in different languages and mm -hmm. what they would say is jibber-jabber, mm -hmm. uh, some people just can't, they can't grasp that that's normal. They think mm -hmm. it's weird. They think it's strange. It's very biblical, though. The Bible talks about it it's several a, times in the New Testament, yeah. right? Um, so what's the deal? Why, first of all, why would Paul list it with the nine if it wasn't something available for, for uh, to be available today, right? Um, give us a little insight on that. Well, first of all, Paul said in, in chapter 14 of the book of 1 Corinthians, verse 18, he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Right, exactly. He, 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 he concluded it was a wonderful gift. Mm -hmm. There is a distinction between speaking in tongues as the initial evident sign, not the only sign, the initial evident sign that you are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a distinction between that phenomenon and the gift of tongues spoken in 1 Corinthians 12. Two different experiences. This first gift, if you will, called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, found um, promised throughout Jesus' ministry and promised, okay, in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, by Jesus himself at the Feast of Tabernacles. And then in Acts chapter 1, the promise again by Jesus, you're going to receive this power after the Holy Spirit. Then Acts chapter 2 comes, and they were all filled, 120 of them, right. in, the, uh, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. You were in that room when you visited Israel, mm -hmm. and all were filled with the Holy Ghost, Cloven tongues as a fire, and the Bible says they all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, not jibber-jabber. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it is, it is, it is a, 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 a tongue of men and of angels. So there's a, little, there's a little heaven in that and a little earth in that because we see the earth part of it because on the day of Pentecost, people were— were there from other nations, and they heard these 120 speaking in these languages that they never learned academically or intellectually, and some of them recognized that they were speaking in their own native language or right. their own dialect. Mm -hmm. That's where it's a tongue of, of men, but it's also a tongue of angels, or in other words, a supernatural language. Right. And the benefits of praying, praying in this personal private prayer language are endless in the Bible. There's many of that we don't have time, but but there's many benefits to praying in the Spirit. That is different than the gift of tongues. The argument people use that that speaking in tongues is not for today is found in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul has just finished talking about the spiritual gifts, those three categories, right. the gifts of divine utterance, the gifts of divine revelation, and the gifts of divine power. And he says in verse number 28, and God set some in the church, first apostles, Notice firstly, right? because ap apostolic ministry is foundational. Mm -hmm. It's foundational, apostolic ministry. An apostle digs the basement of, of the house, if you will. Uh, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then after that, validating these offices, 
miracles. So we understand that in the gift of, in the office of an, of an apostle, the office of an, a prophet, and the office of a teacher flows miracles. M- uh, miracles, okay, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Mm. Here's the question. Are all apostles? What would be the answer to that? No. Second question is, are all prophets? What would be the answer to that? No. No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Okay. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? The answer would be no. No. Not everyone has the gift of tongues. Mm. Everyone, everyone can be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with tongues because Peter said, right after Acts 2, in his sermon, he said, this gift of being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the speaking of tongues for your prayer language, et cetera. He said, this gift is a promise to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call in the future. Wow. So so we know that all can speak in tongues and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but not all have the gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. Just like all are not prophets, all are not apostles, all don't all don't prophesy, all don't have the gifts of healing. No. All, and so the, the skeptics say, there it is there. In context, the answer is to know all those questions. And they're right. But he's not referring to the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of tongues. He's talking about the gift of tongues are for public assembly, yeah, right. which is the lowest of all the gifts. And I'll tell you why. Because it needs, according to Paul, it needs another gift to operate. Mm-hmm. The gift of tongues needs, for public assembly, it needs the gift of interpretation of tongues. Right. God is not concerned about you speaking in, in your prayer language publicly. He wants you to do that privately, but publicly you speak, if you have that gift of tongues, you speak a tongue, but it has to be accompanied with the gift of interpretation of tongues. Why? So the people are edified. Right. By yourself or somebody else. Yeah. I tell you, I bet you a lot of listeners have never heard before that speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues could be two separate things. No, not not can be. Are two separate things. Absolutely distinct. Absolutely. Both gifts but completely different operations. Unbelievable. I'm like, man, we could probably go on another hour with this stuff, which I think, I mean, it's about, we're about to combust here in the studio into flames. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, that might be a good place to, 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 to put the brakes on, and then maybe we'll, we'll launch back into a part two in a couple of weeks. But uh, what would your, as a pastor who's been doing this for 40 years, Closing statement. What is your what's your counsel? What's your advice to the believer? What's your advice to someone listening today that's that's intrigued by these spiritual giftings? I beseech you, I implore you, by the mercies of God, that you do not, because you don't fully understand a subject in the Bible, throw it away, put it on a shelf, or theologically try to talk yourself out of it. I encourage you to search the scriptures like the Bereans. See what God has to say about these wonderful gifts. Not only the spiritual gifts found in 1 Corinthians 12, not only the motivational gifts found in Romans chapter 12, not only the the, the office gifts found in Ephesians 4, and the many other gifts that God has. Search the scriptures because we cannot do Christianity without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Mm. If we try to, we are reduced to mere religion 
at worst, a clubhouse. Right. And lack and void of the supernatural of God. God has not changed his mind. He has not fallen off the throne. God wants the church, his body, to flow in the same soup. What do you do with John 14, 12? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, the works that I do, you shall do, and greater works than these, because I go to my Father. What do we do with that? Jesus went to the Father to release the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, in full, in full. What do we do with verses like that? How, to, how do we do these works of God without the empowerment and the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit? I say it like this. We've come to a place in Christianity, in this 21st watered-down church, we've come to this. We've taken the, the super out of supernatural and have been left with the natural. We've taken the extra out of extraordinary and we've been left with the ordinary. We've taken the P out of power and we've been left with just our. Mm -hmm. And so for many churches around America on a Sunday morning, all we have is an hour of liturgy and dead and dry religion, void of the supernatural, void of the extraordinary manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and void of the power of God that he desperately wants to manifest. Not so that people can feel good or write books or build their own kingdoms, but to lift up and glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Let's lift up Jesus and let's use every gift and resource that he's left us so that we can glorify his name.